0: Almost like it's a pulling string theory into dungeons and dragons.
1: Yeah, well, I like all that stuff and I have no idea what string theory is other than knowing that those are words.
2: Hello fellow geeks, this is Jay Shear, host of the Story Geeks podcast and co-founder of the Reclamation Society. If you're new to the podcast, welcome! As a writer, I'm very interested in discovering how our favorite stories influence both us personally and our culture. To that end, the Reclamation Society and the Story Geeks podcast is all about exploring our favorite sci-fi, fantasy, and comic book stories. On today's episode, Isaac Johnson, Sam Wellbaum, and I are reviewing and discussing the Duffer Brothers Netflix series, Stranger Things. This is our Season 1 wrap-up, and we'll be discussing the story, the characters, and the major and minor themes we weave throughout this television series. If you haven't seen Stranger Things, you can listen to our spoiler-free review at the beginning of the show, and then we'll give you a spoiler warning before we dive in deeper. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe. If you're a frequent listener, thank you. There are a ton of geek podcasts out there, but we appreciate you choosing ours. To learn more about the Story Geeks podcast and our other Reclamation Society projects, be sure to visit www.reclamationsociety.org. You can even watch our Star Wars fan film there, which has over 26,000 views now. We've received a ton of positive f- feedback, so check it out and leave us a comment. And it's just fun fact, uh, Lucasfilm and Disney have actually put in a trademark request for Star Wars Rivals, so the name may change at some time if we get a cease and desist order. But until then, go check it out, go check out our film. We also have a YouTube channel where we do movie reviews. I recently did a Logan review that you can check out. Plus, we have our 2016 Geek Awards highlights video, Star Wars Rivals, which I mentioned earlier, and some other movie reviews on our YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Be sure to check it out. Finally, we give away free comics on this podcast. That's right. We randomly select listeners to send the comics we've reviewed to all you have to do to be entered to win the comics we review is, one, like our Facebook page, the link is in the show notes, and two, review the Story Geeks podcast on iTunes. You only have to do that once, and if you do, you'll be entered to win all the comics we give away. All right, let's welcome Sam Wellbaum and Isaac Johnson to the show and dive deeper into Stranger Things Season 1 so we're going to start off with our review of stranger things the entire season one first it's going to be spoiler free as i've mentioned already Um, but before we do that i just want to introduce the guests so joining me today are isaac johnson and sam wellbaum how are you guys today i'm doing great yeah doing well my friend excellent now sam tell us a little bit about yourself tell us what you're into and give a shout out to the projects you're working on yeah sure okay so a
0: little bit on me um I, I suppose like i'm a I'm like a nerd geek hybrid uh, might be the most uh appealing way to say this i'm <laughs> uh, I'm currently working on uh, my dissertation for my uh, my uh, doctorate in philosophy religion and theology I'm writing on the concept of boredom uh, and looking at how uh, profound boredom is an inherently secular mode of existence so um that's been a fun thing. spent a lot of time with some uh, people talking about boredom, despair, and sloth, so that's what I get to read most of the time, which is more interesting than one would think. Um, uh, beyond that, uh, I mean that's, that's primarily like the, the, the project thing I'm working on. I used to host an Apologetics radio show. If you put my name into iTunes, I think some of the old episodes still come up. Um, and I'm an associate pastor at my church. So uh, if anyone wants to look at any of the sermons uh, that I occasionally do, that's at uh,
2: shorelinebaptist.org. Uh, very nice. Very nice. That, now, I have no idea what that d- dissertation is all about, and you use a lot of big words that I probably don't understand. <laughs> but. Oh, okay. Well, I'm terribly sorry about that. There, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, we have a TV show to talk about
0: because uh, I, I could go for five hours on what I'm doing. So <laughs> yeah, I, right, I tried right. to thumbnail that. So No, uh,
2: it was it sounds excellent. You made me want to read it, but it just I don't know if I understand it enough. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come up eventually. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Isaac, how about you? What are you up to?
1: Um, well, I guess uh, uh, one, it's not quite as impressive as everything you just said, Sam, but um uh, I'm an actor and a musician. Um Oh, I have my own um, show that I do on YouTube called Cocktail Cinema, where I tell you how to make a cocktail, and also talk about a movie that I saw that I either loved or hated. Um, I make music regularly with a company called JP Hunt and Music. That's uh, me and a friend from my days at APU. Um, started a company. We do parties and weddings and corporate events and that kind of fun stuff. Um, and then in terms of the acting, there's a show that I'm going to be on next week that I'm not supposed to say the name of, but it's like a show that people know. Oh, and if cool. you if you follow me on the social medias, then hopefully I'll be able to like say that soon. But uh, what's your yeah.
2: what's your handle? What's your social media? Handle?
1: Um, you can check me on Instagram, the Isaac Johnson. Um, that, that's pretty much where I post everything from, and then it sort of dumps out onto every other site.
2: I think as soon as you put the in front of your name, you're official.
1: Yeah. Well, there's there's an there's an Isaac Johnson that had that first, and so I had to do something. So yeah, you got that. one up in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 The Isaac Johnson is much better than like a Isaac Johnson. Or yeah. Exactly. Johnson. And also, can we just briefly pause and point out that you were like, oh, nothing I do is as impressive as you. I'm just a musician <laughs> and an actor, like. What is
1: that? (laughs) That is a one-two punch, man. (laughs) Your thing sounded like very important and like some sort of help to society, and mine sounds like I I play a lot, I guess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also want to wish Isaac a very happy birthday, because he has just celebrated his birthday, so happy birthday, Isaac. Yes, thank you. And... So let's dive into Stranger Things. We're talking about the entire first season of Stranger Things, all eight episodes. Um, And we've already done actually three of the episodes, but we skipped ahead to the end just so we didn't kind of rehash all the other topics and the same topics all over again. So let's start with a quality rating. Um, And as you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, we do ratings on quality, story depth, and then likelihood to refer. So Isaac, what is your quality rating for the entire season of Stranger Things? Uh,
1: for the entire season, I was trying to remember what I said before when we did the other episode, so I don't want to contradict myself. But um, <laughs> after, after watching it twice now, um, I'm a little higher, I think, than what my rating was before. So overall quality, you know, like story, drama, visually, like all that stuff, dialogue, I think I'm at an 8.5 or a 9. I think I was at an 8 or an 8.5 before, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. Uh, but 8.5 or a 9, just because it, it, watching it again, getting to sort of go through the stuff with the characters and, and really just watch for little moments, there's so much more there than I kind of saw the first time. So okay. that's where I'm at.
0: Excellent.
2: How about you, Sam?
0: Yeah, so quality rating, like anytime it's the scale of 1 to 10, like my mind can't help but go to the Brian Regan bit about like how bad is someone's pain on a scale of one to ten you you can't say ten because broken femur nine childbirth so you say eight like so in my mind i'm like well okay my inclination is to give just rave reviews for everything but it's like okay so on a scale of one to ten quality of a show where uh like a one is maybe inside herman's head uh and a 10 is the tv show lost um I, I, I mean, I think I'm probably pretty comfortable with uh Stranger Things landing somewhere in the mid eights. Uh, okay. I think I mean I was it was really good. I mean one thing we can we can talk about there, like uh after I watched the first episode, uh I, I remember distinctly being like, I don't understand why this is popular. <laughs> uh like I don't understand, but enough people have said it is, so I need to wade into it. You know, I had the same issue when I played the um uh the 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 Nintendo game um legend of zelda uh, wind waker like uh one, one of my friends kept saying this is a great game it's a great game And i was an hour in i was like this is the worst thing i've ever done <laughs> uh and then like an hour and 20 minutes in i was like i don't want to put this down uh and so it was about i think halfway through episode like right at this like the like five minutes into episode three i think and i was like oh now i want to binge watch you so mm. for me it was a little bit of a slow uptake i think um but we can talk about why as we, as we begin to go on. So I'm pretty comfortable saying it's an 8.5.
2: Okay. Okay. So you guys are right the about in the same range. I'm going to throw out, uh, and I don't remember, Isaac, what I said before either. So <laughs> you guys can all go back and listen to the old episode and tell me I'm an idiot. That's totally fine. Um, I'm, I'm going to, on this rewatch, now having seen the season a couple different times, I'm going to say a 10 out of 10. Um Mainly because I think the the design is phenomenal. I mean, it looks like the 80s, feels like the 80s, particularly the early 80s. Uh, acting, outstanding. Um, the pacing is really great. I'm really glad they limited it to eight episodes and didn't try to go to like 13 or 15 or 26 or whatever it is, like normal you know network TV. Yeah. Um, I have heard complaints, and I mentioned this before, but I have heard complaints about a lack of diversity in some of the main cast members. And I think that's fair. Uh, And I also think that we've seen most of these types of characters in these types of situations before. Um, So I can agree with the the lack of diversity. And, like, you know, if you were to change it to like four girls um, and then, you know, the boy, like, 11 being a boy instead of a girl, like, that would be pretty interesting to me. Um, However, I'm not going to penalize the movie just because it. Not not every piece of media can be the new Ghostbusters, Jake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, not every piece of media should be the new Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, yeah, that has yeah. other issues other than the all female cast, which is great. But um, no, absolutely. Like I, we, I don't, I don't think we should. Um, you know, you can do something and reiterate what was already done and do it extremely well, and I feel like you should still get points for it, even if you're not, you know, innovating in the space. And I think this is fantastic. So, um. How about so? What about story depth? What's this, what's your one to ten on story depth, Isaac?
1: Um. I, honestly, probably I'm at a ten there, because um, I think the world building is done very well. I think um, I don't know. Each each moment seems to lead to the next. I kind of had the same thing like you, Sam. Where it did take a few episodes for me to kind of really dive into it, but then once I was into it it seemed like it's the same thing where I just wanted to finish the rest of it um and so on the rewatch you're I'm able to kind of slow down a bit more and really really sort of uh, I guess digest the story um so yeah I mean it, it's I I'm basically watching it through the second time I, I didn't really find a lot of fault with the story I mean the, the other things that you sort of alluded to Jay um the things that, that sort of held me back from my overall quality of being higher is just that it felt so familiar in some places. So like a lot of that familiarity really worked for it, but then some of it sort of dragged it back. But if I just look at the story and not really think about everything it's sort of referencing, I, I really don't find a lot of fault with it.
2: Yeah, definitely. So you said eight and a half, or you said 10 out uh, 10 for story depth? For story depth, yeah. Okay, perfect. How about you, Sam? Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting. So as I'm thinking through the story,
0: there's a few different ways uh, that could be looked at, and I, I suppose it's more, you know, what I'm what I'm looking for. So again, going back to the TV show Lost, because, uh, and I always press the TV show Lost, because otherwise people just don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. But going back to that, so most people I come in contact with seem to think that the first season of Lost was really the best season of Lost. Um but I loved, episode, I, loved, I loved the second season because in most sci-fi or that, that type of genre, and I would say Stranger Things and Lost are kind of in the same genre, the second season or the second installment seems to be the actual myth-building. So if we, if we draw a distinction between world-building or myth-building, um, like the mythos begins to get established there. So as I'm looking at the story, uh, without bringing preconceived notions of what I want out of the story to um to stranger things. Uh it was a great story. Like I think they did a really good job. There were some great twists and turns. Um you know, I mean, I think it, it's given us some memes, you know, I'm trying to be spoiler free and things, but it's given us some <laughs> memes that I think yeah. are going to be well of. So I think I think the story was great. Um the only thing it left me wanting was the fact that it didn't bill out the myth. You know, the the, the directors have talked about the fact that they have a 23 and a half page document. Uh which has laid out completely what the, uh, you know, what, what, what this other realm is and how it works and what all that stuff is. Um, and in my mind, I was like, okay, well, this story would have been so much better had that come up. Hmm. Um, but that's background knowledge for them kind of building it. So in my mind, uh, I want like, I want everything to be the Cimmerillion when the story is more like the Hobbit, (laughs) uh, you know? And so I don't want to penalize it for not being the Cimmerillion. Uh, so the story was great, um, but of course, obviously, as I'm watching, I was like, hey, well, I mean, there probably are more other things there and, and that, but so uh, quality, I mean, the story depth-wise, yeah, I, I think I'd probably say nine and a half. Like, I don't know if I want to go full ten, um, but I can't exactly say why I don't want to go full ten. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, well, I, perhaps I'd say I, I felt, and maybe I'm I'm just emotionally callous, uh, that there w- were some characters that I did not necessarily... Uh, connect with completely or their purpose didn't seem to be served as well as it could have been. Um, and we'll talk about that more when we're, we don't have to be spoiler free. Um, but so I'm, I'm going to say nine and a half and be good.
2: Okay, that's fair. And I now understand uh why i did not understand your dissertation because if you want to read the cimmerillion as your number one book <laughs> <laughs>
0: well it's not so that i want to read the cimmerillion as my number one book but to fully enjoy what's going on in middle earth you need to know the background <laughs> <And> so <laughs> i'm i'm very comfortable with the hobbit and
2: lord of the rings
1: <laughs> and i will stop there <laughs>
2: But I do appreciate people like you who love that part of it because that is totally necessary for world world building. Yeah, and I think it's phenomenal. So I do appreciate it. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say eight and a half for story depth for me, and it's it's around some specific areas. So I think that the emotional depth of the story is really good. I think the character of Joyce, especially Joyce Byers, Will's mom, um, the emotional depth there is phenomenal. I think that eleven, the emotional depth is ph- phenomenal. Uh, character arc for Sheriff Hopper is really, really good. Um, however, I have one complaint about the depth of the show, and we'll get into this in the spoilers too. So, um, you know, you can you, can, you guys can all tell me that I'm wrong about this, but it was. And I was reminded of this when I was reviewing episode four again. It is interesting is these people are going through this depth of emotional trauma. There is very little mention of spirituality and when it is mentioned, it is sort of a passing thing. And, you know, in, in my life, whenever emotional trauma has occurred, that's like the first thing, even if you're not a person of faith, you are questioning spirituality because it's in front of your face. So to have it kind of be in the background or kind of a side thing to me, showed a lack of story depth that I think they could have kind of pushed a little bit more, um, that they didn't. So that's the only reason why I take a little bit of points off there is cause I felt like, wouldn't these characters be like, you know, like at least thinking about these things in a different way. So I don't know. That's just me though.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair.
2: Okay. Um, how do you guys feel likelihood to refer? What's your likelihood to refer
1: stranger things,
2: Isaac? Um,
1: um, it, we're probably a little lower there because I don't know that it's a um, must see for anyone, I guess. Um, but it's still. I feel I still feel like it's a show that people would really enjoy watching, uh, specifically people that are into sort of like all the geek culture stuff or into, you know, uh, Spielberg's work or. Um, oh gosh, I can't think of the name. Uh. Well just the 80s I guess in general. Um, so I'm probably at like an eight and a half on likelihood to refer like I think if you're into these types of things you would definitely enjoy it but if it's if you're not into those kinds of things it's, it's probably like a miss for you because you don't really care about all the world building or the, the, the mythos or any of those things that may not matter to you. Um, and somewhat because you've seen so many of these things in other movies or TV shows or something like that, you, you you've kind of already seen some of it. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's still it. I probably take some points off again just for the the familiarity. Um, so yeah, yeah, eight and a half, I guess.
2: Very nice. How about you, Sam?
0: Well, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm going to have to give it two ratings probably. On one hand, like, I have a really low bar maybe for referral. Uh, okay. Well, in that, like, I love talking about media, like, and I love talking about stories. Um, you know, it's like, and so as soon as I watched, like, the first episode, like, after I watched the first episode of Grimm, like, I was immediately just based on Facebook and like, hey, if you're my friend and you're not watching Grimm, you need to change that. <laughs> uh, because like it was, it was one episode in, you know, and I'm like, and Grim, it's great, but it's you know, it, it's not necessarily going to be like one of the top ten TV shows of all time by any means. Uh, you know, same with you know the, the comedy, you know, Fresh Off the Boat or uh, Superstore. You know, so on one hand, it's like, hey, since I gave it such high rate, ratings on quality, I mean, I referenced uh, Stranger Things in a sermon I did in January. Like, uh, the more commonality there is in understanding pop culture and knowing what's out there, that are kind of. It gives us more ability to talk and communicate and engage people in a conversation about ideas. so in that mind, I'm like, hey, if you're gonna watch something, like watch something like this because it's kind of in public consciousness um, now when it comes to this fear of uh you know recommending it because it's been in some way like impactful or raised up a bunch of new questions or things at at that point in time, I'd probably say, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe like a you know a six or a seven like uh, if you're someone who really is like, like you know, if you're into the 80s, but the Goldbergs are too, you know, uplifting, like, <laughs> you know, maybe kind of go this way, um, you know, or if you do like that uh, kind of like 80s horror suspense, but not horror, really, but like suspense kind of other world vibe, then it'd be great. But uh, it's not one that I'm going to necessarily say, oh, you you know, you should you should watch this, especially when it comes to Netflix originals. Uh, you know, right after I finished watching that, I watch like I watch Stranger Things right between watching the second season of Daredevil and the first season of Luke Cage. So, yeah. on my yeah. mind, I'd recommend either of those over Stranger Things. Um, because. But this 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 podcast is not about either of those stories, so I'm not going to say why. Uh, but so I'd, <laughs> I'd say five is good.
1: Yeah, okay. Stephen, Stephen King is the name I couldn't think of earlier, by the way. Oh, if good, nice. Like, like, if you're really into Stephen King, then you're probably really going to enjoy this. But if you don't like him at all, then you're probably not going to care.
2: I do know a couple people who the the uh, horror elements of this were too much for them. Now I I, and I this is I'm saying that too as somebody who is not a fan of the horror genre. It's often too much for me, but I thought that this was like just perfect for someone like me. It wasn't too much. It wasn't too little. It was right in right in the sweet spot.
0: Yeah,
1: same here.
2: Yeah, no, um, I I'd say that like that, that's where like
0: I, I I cringe back from kind of wanting to use word horror, and so maybe. In the same way like of using the word like horror elements, I'd almost want to use the word horror in the same way that people use horror to talk about like uh, uh lovecraft hmm. um just because i I still don't understand how lovecraft is constituted as in the horror genre um but whatever about that, kind of like the mental unsettling you knowness of Cthulhu or whatever like i, I could see that but i want I like in the realm of using horror the way that we classify horror today like with uh you know, your screams or your saws or anything like that. It,
2: right. There was right. no horrorness to this by any means whatsoever. So. No. 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 Yeah, it's very much like a mysterious uh, creature sort of deal. Yeah. So like that's right. like an H.P. Lovecraft type horror. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if you guys can hear my dog in the background, he always likes to join the podcast every single <laughs> week. He likes to make his opinion heard. Um, yes. I'm going to give it actually a 10 out of 10 for a referral and that's basically because I've referred it to a bunch of people. So, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I've told a bunch of people, "Hey, go watch the show. It's really high quality. It's very interesting. It's um I think the, you know, the pacing is really really good. I didn't have the same experience you guys did with having watched the first episode and then not sure if I wanted to keep watching. I watched four episodes in a row. So, um I will say that I agree with you, Sam. In my opinion, the best show on TV today is Daredevil, the Netflix yeah. Daredevil. That's phenomenal. Um, so it's, it, I would not, rec- I'm not likely to recommend it over that. But I do think that the Netflix Daredevil is a little, a little more geeky in some ways than sure. Stranger Things, and so Stranger Things is applicable to a wider audience. So no, I think that's probably probably accurate. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what, I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, so let's get into the spoilers. We've got some deep questions to go into. So if you have not seen Stranger Things, go ahead and jump off the podcast at this point. um, And we're going to dive into it. So when it comes to world building the core of Stranger Things, the mystery involved in Stranger Things, revolves around the collision of the Upside Down, the Demogorgon, and our own experience of the 1980s. Those things are kind of clashing together. And I've asked this question in all of our Stranger Things episodes. I'm gonna ask it again here because I think that's one of the most important questions that the show kind of deals with. Um, Based on what you know of the Upside Down and the Demogorgon, What do you think is going on? Is it an alternate dimension? Is it an alternate timeline? Is it a different spiritual plane? What do you think, Sam? Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, So it's interesting. Like
0: as as I was understanding it, the 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 concept of um, the upside down. You know, I, I like the picture that that Eleven did, where she just turned the Dungeons and Dragons map. You know, over. This is kind of a bit of a. You know, a shadow parallel world to use a little bit of Legend of Zelda: Linked to the Past, yeah. uh, you know, or, or, or Twilight Princess, whichever one it was. Um, you know, thing there. So, like, I don't think I'd say it's a spiritual realm. Uh, like, I don't think it's a different spiritual plane by any means whatsoever. Uh, in part, yeah, as you talked about, it, it does seem to shy away uh, from the spiritual aspects. Uh, the show in general. Um, you know, I mean, you have use of the fact that there's some type of interconnectedness between electricity and this realm. I'd be inclined to see it as uh, like almost a, almost like it's a pulling string theory into Dungeons and Dragons uh, in some way. So it's making use of the fact that there are dimensions laid on top of each other. Um, and so with dimensions being laid on top of each other, it would be a dimension that has the same topography of ours. Uh, um, but time seems to work differently there. Uh, but it has the same uh, similar topography. Uh, it has some type of life and sustenance. Uh, and it lays on and can interact with us in some way when there appears to be some type of um, either electromagnetic or some type of disturbance like that. Um, and some type of psychic disturbance as well. Um, which would incline me at once to say maybe it has something to do with the soul. But because they seem to be coming from a materialistic framework... Uh, I think it's going to be dimensional. I think it's a trans-dimensional thing with the demigorgon being a trans-dimensional
1: being.
2: Okay, okay. I like that. Isaac, what do you think?
1: Okay. Um... Yeah, well, I like all that stuff, and I have no idea what string theory is other than knowing that those are words. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it, it has to do with the, the initial creation of how the universe worked when, the, when uh, at the point of the Big Bang, uh, 12 dimensions or 12 strings existed, uh, okay. and those strings then collapsed down into 10, and then they kept moving. And so now we interact in a four-dimensional world uh, with time as the fourth dimension, um, and so those dimensions are all laid on top of each other. Uh, so to some extent, perhaps, uh, I'm using di- using dimension as, uh, equivocally, but so maybe uh, this is existing somehow in the like seventh dimension or something like that. Yep. All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't helpful. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty helpful, but it's still like, oh, wow, that's... That's a, that's I
2: actually, a, just just to bail you out, Isaac, yeah. I actually saw a show one time uh-huh. where two uh, astrophysicists were trying to explain string theory, and both of them said uh, in the interview, oh, you're going to have to give me a minute because I need to think about this and make sure I explain yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. if so, any
0: astrophysicists are listening to what I just said, they're going to be like, oh, you got that all wrong. And I know that. I'm a philosopher.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually think you got yeah. it pretty pretty well, actually, because the, based yeah. on what they explained, I would have said you did a pretty good job. Well, then I thank you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess my answer to that is, because I, I see your point, Jay, in terms of... Um, you know there is a lack of the, the characters questioning you know spirituality or if it has anything to do with that um i think that's very valid but in terms of whether it's an alternate dimension or a different spiritual plane it's sort of a like a yes and for me mm. um because i think if i think about you know, my own beliefs in terms of like that there's like the the plane that we live in that we see and touch and feel things and then that there's another sort of you know spiritual world that's going on at the same time as that, I kind of see the upside down being something that is going on simultaneously. Um, so, it, like yes, it's an alternate dimension that you can access at times, but then, yes, also, in terms of it being a spiritual plane, it seems like it's something that is existing that you just can't quite see, um, and maybe there are moments where you have access to it um, it seems like, or at least that's what I get from watching it, it seems like they're sort of playing with both ideas, um, especially if you think about the 10th episode, when there's like that flash of, um, uh, Will, like, at the sink, it seems like he's sort of experiencing both in some way, and I'd, obviously that's, there's a big question in there as to, like, what's going on with him, and why he spit out the slug, and all that kind of stuff, but, um, I, yeah, I see it as, something that is happening at the same time and and they, but one affects the other, it seems like to me.
2: Yes. So I'm sort of more where you are. Um, However, I'm going to break this down in a couple different ways to show how I got there and you guys can, you guys can jump in and, and feel free to, to come along on this journey. So the first thing I thought of was, okay, so the upside down is an exact replica of our world in a way because we see when we're when we see the upside down we see the pool um you know so the where barb is sitting there's actually a pool in the upside down there's no water in it but it's there Mm -hmm. um we when we see the upside down in the forest there's a forest in the upside down um when we see like when will's in the bathroom and he gets like the kind of flash now that i'd be willing to say that could be just him having a vision and maybe it's not he's actually in the upside down.
1: Uh, That's possible. Yeah.
2: Um, but it seems that our world is actually replicated in the upside down, which, so, which means that I, I started pursuing the theory that maybe the upside down is the future and that there are wormholes connecting the future to the past. So in the future, let's say an alien race has come down. They've wasted all the world's resources and then, then you know, as Eleven and Dr. Brenner are doing their experimentation, they're opening wormholes. And now the aliens are kind of being able to come back through the wormhole. Um, that would explain why there's the pool. That would explain why we see the, the Upside Down replicated um, in the same way. Like, like, even in the Upside Down, we see... Um, we see the house. Uh, like, we see... Yeah, exactly. We see, yeah, Will's house. Well, not Will.
0: Uh, Maybe it's Will. Okay, again, yeah, Barb it is, is the only name I remember. Okay, Will. Yeah. Like, yeah, we see Will's house. Uh, You know, that's there. So, apparently, whatever is constructed in
2: uh, our world is also constructed in the Upside Down in some way. Exactly. Exactly. So, I think that... But I don't think the time travel is what they're trying to showcase. And... Um, And I think that for now, this is where I think I'm going to land and it's very close to where um, you're landing, Isaac, is that I think that when they explain the Veil of Shadows uh, coming from their Dungeons and Dragons game, um, Mm -hmm. it is a dark dimension that echoes our own, but with darkness and death. Um, He also they also reference shadow walking as a means by which to get to the Veil of Shadows. Um, I think this in my mind explains that it's not a time travel thing. It literally is another dimension. So similar in what you were talking about, um, Sam, and similar to you, Isaac, here's the interesting thing. A Demogorgon in Dungeons & Dragons, and I had to look this up because I didn't know this, but it's interesting, is the Prince of Demons in Dungeons & Dragons. Demogorgon, Prince of Demons. Um, Interestingly enough, this is where I think that I want it to be somewhat spiritual because I want them to bring spirituality in the show in some way, shape, or form, even if it's not a form that I necessarily adhere to or agree with. Right? I just want to see that kind of en- encapsulated. Um. But I, I, so I don't know. I think I think it's it's basically another dimension. It's a dark dimension, whatever that means. But I think that if they're going to go in that direction, then they're going to need to. Sp- spend some level of detail explaining spirituality as it exists in the Stranger Things universe. What do you, what do you guys think?
1: Uh, ooh, so many things. Um, well, what I, When you mentioned time travel, I didn't necessarily think about time travel, but what you said, Sam, about time operating differently there, uh, that I actually see evidence for um, when they... Well they don't I guess they don't kill the organ, but when they like wound it in the house at the same time you see um, Sheriff Hopper and um, gosh, why not a writer can't think of her name Joyce Joyce, Joyce um, they see like that sort of like blood trail there, which would seem to say that like well, that somehow happened in our world, but then they saw the after effects of it so it's like well somehow there's some sort of lag in time there. So I, I, that to me supports that time works differently there, uh, more so than time travel, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is, is kind of trying to think through why, like, because it, it brings up the, the, this question, like the, t- like the time travel thing would be, would be neat. Like it's a dystopian, uh, in some way it's a dystopian future. Uh, and so like this dystopian future, uh, Um, you know things come back and and that but it almost seems that that would be a bit um, a bit easy and also you wonder like how far into the future it is uh, because it does look so much like what we have currently so i I, this idea of a of a shadow realm that brings up a question you know are are we living then in the light realm or is there uh a, a another upside down maybe an inside out I don't know what we want to call it, uh, that is much brighter and shinier. And not only is there a pool, but it's only mineral water that's in it. Uh, you know, or it's like this idealized world that's there. Uh, um, I'm not sure. Uh, and again, I, there's questions about, okay, so there, there was only one Demogorgon uh, that we saw. Now those, those slug creatures, uh, you know, and one of the, you know, obviously, so he kills Barb. But instead, it seems the slugs are implanting in the boy uh, and, and not killing him. So there's questions about what the motivations are and things. but I, I, yeah, I just I don't think they give us enough to fully come up with much aside from the fact that in some way this upside down is overlaid or underlaid uh, beyond yeah. our, uh, um, our world, in that whatever happens here happens there. But not because it's like whoever built will's house did not build will's house in the upside down they built right. it in our world, okay. but the upside down exists in such a way that what was built in our world was constructed there um and there there's a few things that they're in and, and ask about what what does that mean like again, does time run differently is 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 it a bunch of dead timelines i I don't know there's there's a lot that can work on now one of the things you guys both mentioned that i that i kind of downplayed a little bit um it's not to say that the the way that they might bring in spirituality may very well be something with a pantheism or panentheism of some sort um and you know and by that mean the fact that like they might not begin to draw a distinction between the uh spiritual and the material uh to the point that the idea of another dimension you know So, time is the fourth dimension. Maybe spirituality or spirit, you know, whatever, is the sixth dimension. Uh, You know, it's like... And so, it may well be that what we find in season two, which apparently is going to be doing some type of, um, you know, more building because we get this clip of what looks to be, I think, like a very large Demogorgon or something. um, We're going to get a lot more kind of meat there. Um, So, it may be that we find that there is, in fact, there's a spirit that this is a spiritual, type, uh, a spiritual type of realm, but spirituality is infused in the material. So as opposed to being a platonic dualism, it's much more of a um, either pantheism or a hylomorphic dualism that we'd see in Aquinas or something like that.
2: I think you're speaking another language. However... Yeah. Uh, I have no, to no, stop
0: no. doing that. I am yeah, so no, sorry.
2: no, 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 no. no, 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 no. I, lo- I actually love it. I think it's perfect. Um, and, and I actually like where you're going with it because... Basically, what you're saying is, you're saying they could be creating their own spirituality or their own concept of spirituality. Um, And and I actually, the conclusion I'm coming to is that they're just basically going to take their world building and say, what if the world of Dungeons & Dragons and our world did actually both exist? And that these geek games that we played as kids were not just games but we're actual tales that come out of some alternate reality and that this reality is actually um, now bumping up against that reality essentially and that's that's kind of what you're saying that's what you're referring to is that they're creating their own spirituality they're doing so out of dungeons and dragons and and i think that that actually works for me i'm happy with that but i do think that it it needs to be at some point in time what we have grown up with in our worlds, the, the spirituality that's been a part of our world needs to clash with the actual spirituality that exists in the their world building that they've done. I would love to see some of that stuff happen as
1: well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, you, you kind of hit on something, Jay, there with the games being, or at least this was what I thought, but it, it maybe because this is a small town where like nothing ever happens and then this thing happens. I suppose it's possible that whoever, you know, made these games like Dungeons and Dragons or whatever um, is someone that had access to this other world or had access to this other like, spiritual plane or alternate universe or whatever you want to call it. Um, and these these people in this town are just sort of unaware that the game, you know, like you said, isn't just a game, but it, it, it um, oh gosh, what's the word, but like it, it, uh, it sort of, Letting you know that this other stuff is available, but maybe just in this town they haven't experienced it because, obviously, we don't really know what's going on outside of the town. Uh, we spend all of our time in it, except for like you know a couple of flashbacks to Hopper there. Um, so it it's possible that you know like these games are created um, to mirror what, what is actually possible, but they just haven't experienced it yet here.
2: Exactly, because I think what we're starting to see too is you could argue that Eleven, to a certain degree, is able to tap into magic powers that would exist in Dungeons & Dragons. Right. Um, now, we've we've seen her use telepathy um, more so than we've seen her use like a fireball spell or something along these lines, right? right. Um, but they could easily introduce that in other characters and that would be a really fascinating take. So, I just hope that what they do is did, you, did either of you guys watch um, the show Penny Dreadful? I haven't, no. Okay. It was on Netflix as well. The only reason I bring it up is they started to develop their own mythology and their own spirituality throughout that show, mm. but they kept hinting that the, what they were developing was similar to what we already knew, but I didn't see it as similar to what we already knew. So I was frustrated all throughout the entire show going, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand what's true and what's not true. You need to tell me, you need to tell me like, this is wrong. This is right. And we've seen that in other shows like, um, fringe, for example, Mm -hmm. fringe basically explained everything with a scientific explanation that would almost, you know, science and spirituality can coexist, but in fringe, it was almost more like, Oh, stop over spiritualizing that it's just science. And that's how, that's how that world was built, so that you, right. you got to understand that. You knew that if this new character was showing up, who you felt like was a demon or a monster, you knew that there would be some inherent, oh, gene manipulation occurred, and now they look like they have spikes all over them, or whatever it is, right? Um, I just feel like, we, they, we need to we need to know what's going on here so I hope in season two like you said Sam with Lost like they'll get into the mythology some more in season two that would be fantastic
0: and yeah. I mean one of the, like the, one of the lingering critiques of Lost is that they didn't answer every question um, which I actually think is helpful because what they were kind of aiming at was to add to this kind of feeling of the people on the island didn't know what was happening neither did we And so in the end, there felt like there was resolution, at least for me, uh, but without questions being answered. Like, what I'm hoping is that Stranger Things here is able to um, give us a little bit more bits about, okay, are there other dimensions? Is there an upside down to the upside down? Like, are there other things like that? Um, Did we accidentally create this? Did, Did we make a pocket universe in some way? Mm. Uh, you know is it something akin to uh you know i just finished reading a comic book series that jonathan hickman did uh with the avengers where alternate earths would like have incursion points where they would crash into each other and you had to destroy an earth or something like that um you know it's like so is it that this is the leftovers from some other earth or something like there's so many possibilities they don't necessarily need to give us exactly what it is but i'm hoping they give us enough to play with um that we're able to see and and one thing though to look at when it comes to this spirituality um i'm trying to remember the thinker um i know oz guinness is the one who makes reference to it but oz guinness isn't the one who says it uh but you know there's such a huge overlap between and I, i've said pantheism like three times let me just go ahead and maybe if, for listeners who have no clue what i'm talking about pantheism is the belief that everything is god um and panentheism would be the belief that everything is god uh but that god also like is a little bit more than everything um but so this would be like your hindu or your eastern beliefs that in some way everything is comprised of god or god makes up kind of like the the universe in some way um well if we take that and look at a strict naturalist worldview uh, a secular naturalist type worldview where we're saying that all that exists is the material world You can see how a strict naturalist and a pantheist, like a Hindu pantheist, can come to a point in time where they have a huge overlap in which that which is spiritual is that which is natural, and there's not a distinction at all, which is super foreign to us, but is huge in Hollywood. So it is very possible that that type of ideology uh, is what we end up with.
2: Yeah, that that would be fascinating. That's a great description, by the way. Thank you for providing that. Sure. Um. Any other thoughts about the world building and the the components of what these potential dimensions are?
0: Not that I could think of. No, not that I could think
2: of. I think we covered that pretty well. Um, cool. So now we're going to change. We're going to really shift focuses. Uh, the show really digs into this 80s nostalgia, and I believe, Sam, what year were you born? Yeah, I was born in 82. Okay, so yeah, so we all grew up in the 80s. Um, I was born in 81. Isaac, what year were you born?
1: I prefer not to say. <laughs> Isaac was
2: born at some point in time in the 80s. Yes, that's um,
1: And it
0: was in the upside down, so time moved different there. Yeah, so
1: well, it moves different in the actor world. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. Isaac I know Isaac can play a 9-year-old, but he can also play a 45-year-old. So Very it's really impressive. he's really versatile. It's really amazing. A lot of range. <laughs> um so we all grew up in the 80s. Let's compare our own experiences in the 80s and then this show's portrayal of the 80s. How did this show speak to your experience? Was it missing anything? Was there anything that you thought like, wow, that was really done really well? Sam, why don't we start with you?
0: Yeah, like when, when I when I saw this question, I was like, gosh, it, it, it's a tough one to wrestle through because uh, I think the show takes place in 83. Like, yeah, I think that's right. I think it's it's, it's set in 83, you know. So yes, I was I was born uh in August of 82, so uh I I am not doing much in 83. Uh really. <laughs> you know, it's like and so like I you know cuz I'm I was I was 8 uh when we hit the 90s. So really when I think of my growing up time or my you know, like the coming of age time, uh you know, I'm a 90s kid. Um but I mean I was only, you know, off by, you know, the, the general age of, you know, the kids in there, you know, not off by tons, but so when it comes to growing up in the eighties, so much of my what that growing up in the eighties is like, uh, for me is informed by eighties movies. Like mm-hmm. and things that I vaguely remember. Uh, but so the bits and pieces that, that I can remember there, uh, it it seems to coincide with the eighties, but like I just uh, I, I don't know that I have many tools to kind of bring to address how in common it was with this portrayal of the 80s because i don't have tons of had you had this question been about the 90s i'd have been like yeah i can give you tons like let's play with that um i just don't know that i have anything to pull with the 80s man i, I is there a pass option uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you can, yeah
2: you can you can say i have no clue i have nothing <laughs> yeah.
0: maybe you guys will have something and i will then be able to respond perfect
1: what about yeah. you isaac I mean, I guess in terms of knowing things from the 80s, you know, similarly, like, well, I was kind of too young to really, you know, like, soak it in, but, um, you know, things like Will is pretty sure that he has an Atari, you know, like, that was, that's a big console, but big console in the 90s more so maybe than the 80s, um, I can't really remember, <laughs> but um, what's the other thing? Um, I mean, it, obviously the, the the kids playing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, the whole thing is sort of foreshadowing the whole the whole show, Dungeons and Dragons, but also all of the Star Wars references, the Millennium Falcon, like that. Obviously, '83 is when Jedi came out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that, uh, you know. The fact that the boys talk about Elle's powers like she's Yoda, um, all of that stuff um, speaks to my experience growing up as someone who was obsessed and is still obsessed with Star Wars. Um, so from comparing it to my experience, I had a Millennium Falcon, I had an AT-AT, um, both of which were broken because we played with them you know, way too much. <laughs> Um, and they'd probably be worth some stupid amount of money today if i still have them. Um, so between game consoles, uh, the posters in the room, and then just the way that the kids talk to each other. Um, that's actually the thing that, uh, and this is maybe not specifically an 80s thing, but that's the thing that resonates with me so well in the show is just the way that the boys talk to each other. That, you know, they'll, like kids, like, like dialogue is written by adults, right? And sometimes it doesn't sound like the way that kids talk. But the way these kids talk to each other is, you know, they'll just stop mid-sentence. You know, like they wouldn't have like an arc to what they're saying, they're kids. They're just gonna talk and then stop talking and then be interested in something else. And I think that um, it, thinking about my childhood, that's the thing that resonates more so than maybe some of the nostalgia, but at the same time, like a lot of the nostalgia uh, really plays for me, especially all of the references to like, you know, E.T. and Firestarter and uh, Alien and all of these things like that's that's the stuff that really feels familiar to me and that's you know visually what what kept me watching the show
2: that was a really great description and I felt very similarly so I will say that I felt the same way as you Sam in that uh this was a lot earlier in the 80s than I can remember so Mm -hmm. The clothes look familiar and I can, you know, my parents have pictures of me as a kid where I look like I'm wearing some of those clothes, right? But the clothes I remember, I actually remember more wearing like neon colors, like neon colors, like hot pink was a a thing, like when I was a kid. So that was like, if you have a hot, I remember I had a hot pink uh, tank top and that was like the coolest thing that you could have had. Um, I remember by the time I was growing up in the 80s, like the later 80s, skateboarding was actually bigger than BMX, so, you know, some of this might be a California thing, as opposed to, you know, I think they're supposed to be in, like, Illinois or something Illinois
0: like that. Illinois or Indiana or something.
2: Yeah, Indiana maybe, yeah, yeah, exactly, it's in that area, so, you know, it could have been more of a, a geographic regional difference, but um, I do think that it resonates from all of the points that you talked about, Isaac, Um I will say this: By the time I started actually really becoming a geek, it was I I bypassed all of the board games. So, okay, for me, I was playing. There was a game called Bard's Tale that had come out on um, the old Apple II computers. Uh, be, after that, we played Might and Magic. We played Heroes Quest. We played King's Quest. Those were all computer games. So. You know, I wasn't having to roll dice, and the the computer did that for me, right? Like, the computer just rolled the dice. So, for me, I resonate with the thought process of how they're playing the game and replicate, like, taking the game and, like, bringing it into, like, playing with your brothers or your cousins or whoever, your your friends. I, I, I get that. That makes sense to me. But for me, I was taking it from a computer and then playing it as opposed to taking it from a board game and playing it. Um the last thing I will say, and this is where the spirituality comes in for me, and this is where I see like the sort of miss. Um, now granted, my parents were very spiritual. Uh, I'm not sure that any of the families represented in Stranger Things are spiritual families per se, but I can remember very much so the influence that the moral majority had on culture back then. So, I mean, focus on the family was huge. My parents would listen to focus on the family all the time. Um, and there was a consistent message in the marketplace because of that political power that um, sort of this like, you know, moral majority had that it it was around me all the time. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's true of anybody because I could have been a part of a subculture, but I think actually that that particular subculture's influence on national politics and national thought was pretty big back then. So, um, you know, the only real religious messaging I could see was at Will's funeral. Um, and the only time anybody said like, Hey, you, you might want to, um, deal with this spiritually was when, uh, Will's dad, who's obviously divorced from Joyce says to Joyce, like, Hey, you realize you're in a grieving process and you need to, maybe you need to talk to the pastor. And Joyce is kind of like, oh, I don't even talk to the pastor, like whatever. That, that's like all the spiritual components that I can even put, like, remember at all in the show. Right. So I think that that was a miss from my standpoint because that was like a big part of what I was experiencing in the culture during the 80s. But again, maybe that was later in the 80s. I don't know. Any, any responses to those things?
0: No, I mean, I don't know that it was necessarily... Uh, well, okay. So, I mean, the moral majority, the, um, uh, the religious right and all that stuff, it, it starts building, but it starts building in the early '80s. So we start really seeing the impact in the mid '80s, um, you know. And with that, so that's one thing actually that perhaps might be interesting is that, um, you know, the '80s I grew up in didn't have the flagrancy of smoking that we see in um, in the early '80s where this this takes place. And part of this connected to the rise of this moral majority that. You know, kind of put those things in line in a certain thing, and that 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 began to get attacked in a certain way. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought it was interesting, but they they definitely kind of downplayed that uh, yeah, that influence. And maybe it's again the idea that they were just trying to emphasize the ruralness of the city that they were in, and so those yeah. types of discussions were happening at a larger level that weren't affecting them. Yeah,
2: quite, yeah I can quite see possible. that. Yeah. Anything else from
1: your perspective, Isaac? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh,
2: so this might this is a little less uh, intensive a question, I guess. But who <laughs> is your favorite character, and why? And why don't we start with you on this one,
1: Isaac? Um, sure. I was thinking about this, and I thought, like, well, I could also tell you who my favorite character wasn't. <laughs> but um, it's it, it, it's sort of two character. A group, I guess, and then one sort of stand out to me. Um, I'll kind of go back to the boys a little bit just because I like the dynamic of how they work and how they talk to each other. Um, I even like that when, you know, like Will, you know, obviously Will's finally back. I mean, we're going to get into the 10th episode a little later, but when Will's finally back and they're just like rushing to tell him all these crazy things that have happened, and like he's like, and we met this friend, name 11. And he's, his response is, you mean like the number? <laughs> um, like that's like a kid question like adults would go okay 11 that's a weird name and then just sort of like let it pass but I like that he asked that question um, so the group of boys is, is like the, the way that each of them work off each other I think is just really great um, and like I said the dialogue is just feels like the way that boys would talk to each other um, when they're when they're that age um, but the standout to me is really um, Sheriff Hopper um, his arc is, I, I, it's something I didn't see coming, and I think I said this when we were talking about the, the episode that we talked about before, is in any other story he would just be sort of like the like dumpy sheriff that, you know, doesn't believe the mom and he's just trying to convince her. But the fact that he starts to investigate Will's story and then he sort of becomes a believer and that there's something else happening and he doesn't just treat her like the crazy person... Um, that to me is what takes it away from the sort of 80s trope of just the, the dumb sheriff who doesn't get it. Um, and when he, um, when we start finding out more about his personal story, um, that he lost a child and how all of this, all of this is sort of almost like a replay of things he's gone through before. and He talks about, you know, being cursed. Um, all of those things were like the, the Rich character stuff that really, um, Kept me invested in the story and specifically his story. Um, I also like that when they're trying to re- revive Will, you know, you have the flashes of him and his daughter, and when things started to go wrong there, and so this is like a real moment for redemption for him to save Will, and that's why he's, you know, not only just because it's his job, you know, to look for a missing child, but um, but that he he needs that as a person. Um, so. Uh, for that and probably thirty other reasons, he's he's easily my favorite. That's awesome. Who is your least favorite? You mentioned you had a least. Oh, favorite. <laughs> a Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I like Winona Ryder a lot, but I just felt like she spent so much time in hysteria that I, it was literally, it literally gave me anxiety every time she's on screen because I'm like, could could we just have another emotion for her? Uh, it makes sense. I mean, her kid's gone and you know all that stuff. I, I you know anyone in their right mind would be losing their mind like that i just thought watching it and hearing her always in hysteria i thought like i just need a break so i was kind of glad when she wasn't on screen a lot
2: (laughs) it's funny you mentioned that because i kind of felt similarly in many regards and then i did a podcast with karina fabian and who is a mom Mm -hmm. and she said oh joyce was my favorite because i just really felt like that was the correct she was Acting out exactly how yeah. I would have felt, and I went, "Oh, you know what? That's probably true." And actually, that made me appreciate Joyce more. Yeah, um, in that in that regard. But I, I agree with you. Like at first, I found that grating because it was like, it, I don't want to say it was one note because obviously she, she did a great job of yeah. acting, um, but it wasn't a range of emotions. It was predominantly terror you know yeah like
1: the same thing i think it's correct and i think the acting was great it was just like at some point it just felt like like just nails on a chalkboard to me but everything else was so good i just kind of like okay like we get it she's crazy she's losing her mind but can we move on to something else but
2: <laughs> right you know. right how about you sam
0: um so the fair characters so i mean maybe i'll go ahead and start with the uh the ones that I, I didn't... I, I agree with so much of, w- of what I was just pointing out. Like, they did a good job writing The Boys. Like, I thought they they made those... Um, made them excellent characters. I, I think it's hard to walk out and not be a fan of Elle. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, he... Yeah, I mean, she was just really, really well... Um, she was well cast. She acted great. Like, I was... Uh, Uh, quite well done so I think that was I mean that that was really enjoyable Um, the Hopper story was great like I I also wasn't expecting I thought I the the way the story started I thought it was very much going to be this idea of the mom is crazy but she actually knows the truth and the law is just kind of you know ignoring things whatever Um, I was really pleased with what he turned into uh, so I thought that was really really good. I, I really thought there were a lot of good character arcs in there. Um, I think character moment wise the thing that was supposed to hit me or touch me more than it did. i I don't the barb thing really didn't uh, fell flat for me <laughs>
2: um,
0: And like reading interviews and the director talking about it., uh, they were talking about how difficult a choice that was, but they needed to make it for the movement. I was like,, ah, yeah, man, it just it just didn't execute for me. Uh, she was kind of a nothing character except for to show the change uh, that was happening in her friend. And then ultimately the change that happened in her friend's then boyfriend like that, uh, you know, that became necessary. But um, of the favorite characters, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm going to have to say it's the kid without the teeth. Dustin. Yeah. Dustin. I I absolutely enjoyed him. He was, he was just, he was just fun. Like if, because what he was, for me, very much was, like, if there's a kid who lives his life in the geek world, and then finds out that the geek world is true, <laughs> yeah. that's what this kid is. And he played yeah. it well, and he executed yeah. it. Um, like, it, it seemed very much like, if I think back to me as a kid, this he seemed like a kid I could hang out with. Oh. Like, uh, and so that very much, even though it is, so I, I thought... I really like what they did with him and i like what they did with uh with the sheriff i think that they really executed them well but i mean that said i don't think um you know uh will's older brother like his his character thing like why he would go around taking all the pictures and stuff uh maybe that was a little underdeveloped and things but I, he had a good character arc so yeah. i i really think they did some good character work in the, in the thing
2: absolutely and, and I, I had the same thing I, I, like, uh, like I'm reading my notes almost virtually the same thing you guys had the notes about um, Hopper and just his arc his arc was surprising it was amazing like I don't even need to say anything more because you guys said it all um, the one thing I will say that I'll add to his character arc that I really liked because it's so replicated what we try to do with this podcast and that is that he really felt like he had a strong desire and need to discover the truth And he was going to take whatever steps were necessary to discover that truth. Like, he breaks into the government place. He's punching government people in the face, (laughs) like, um, you know, at risk, at personal risk. And I thought that that was really cool because he was he was out there to do that. And I thought that was fun. Um, My personal favorite character of all the characters. And I think a lot of times sometimes, well, I should say, you know, sometimes we resonate and love the characters that are most like us and i just see so much of myself in lucas that i just really love that character um okay now which one is lucas uh lucas is the african american kid okay good yeah okay. excellent yeah cuz i think he he approaches things from the practical yeah so whenever and, 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 you know it's, his perspective is look it's got to be able to be explained all that stuff that we play in our in the in the basement that's all a game guys like that's a game let's explain this practically um He's very stubborn and very loyal, so that when you know when Mike is like, hey, we gotta go off and do these things, he's, he's like, no, those things are distracting us from finding will, why aren't we looking for will? And th- things like that. So he's very practical, he's very stubborn, he takes things at face value. So he's my um, personal favorite. That also ends up being a weakness for him. Um, and I would say that that is equally a weakness for me oftentimes, I don't think of things I tend to think of things in the practical and not in the spiritual and things like that. So um, that was really fun. I liked Lucas as a character, and he's
1: probably my favorite character of all of them. Um, I also feel like, sorry, before we uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. move on, just like I I met Millie Bobby Brown um, about two years ago or something like that. She was um, She was on the show called Intruders on the BBC. Huh. Um, I don't know if anyone saw it but it was sort of an X-Files type show um, and she was even younger then and, and really great so um, the show was great and it was a really creepy kind of thing um, so I feel like I also have to say something great about her because I did get to meet her and I thought at the time I thought "Wow, well, this girl's probably going to be on some big show someday um, even though Intruders was like it's own show and she was a, one of the series leads I thought well this show's probably not going to last much longer even though it's great but I see her going places so it's it's almost, um, uh, I guess, strange um, <laughs> to to see her, her so many places and see so many people talking about her acting. Just because it it feels like oh, like I I had nothing to do with that, but at the same time, like I knew this was was probably gonna happen. So, um, big fan of her work and um, she's a nice person.
2: I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I'll say before we leave the topic is that so many of these characters, and you guys both said this are well drawn that when i don't mention 11 or if i don't mention even nancy who i think um goes through a phenomenal character arc herself um i'm not mentioning them because you know i grew up (laughs) as a boy right so like that's my frame of reference and so when i approach the show i'm going who's most like me and like and i kind of like this character because they seem like me um, both the, the, the strengths and the weaknesses. Um, that's why I'm drawn to them. So, But it's worth mentioning that the characters are so well drawn. Eleven is an amazing character. And the fact that they made her female was also super cool. Because it actually gave the... the there is even some um, love interest between her and Mike. And that yeah. is intriguing and interesting. Um there's the scene where she goes to change in front of the boys and the boys are like, freaking out like, what in the world? Yeah. I, and, and it takes Dustin like three shows to get over that. Um, and I thought that that was just, I mean, it's all super well drawn. It's, it's very well done. The character arcs are amazing. I, I actually was so frustrated with Nancy when she first appeared um, in the show and, and some of the decisions that she had started to make. It's like, come on, haven't you seen enough movies to know that these are all the bad decisions that you shouldn't be making? <laughs> right. um, and yet she redeems herself from all of those things, I think. Um, even to the point where she builds a bridge between Jonathan Byers and, um, and Steve. Steve yeah. yeah, which is remarkable. And w- wouldn't we want our characters to do those types of things? Um, yeah. So that was, that was great. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, so two of the things you kind of mentioned there
0: that I think uh, are really important, like uh, you know, I mean, Nancy's character arc there. Like, I like the fact that even when they're at the pool, uh, you know, uh, she looks at you know, Steven's like, okay, you're, you, are you a cliche? Like <laughs> early on, she just very much calls because they had him doing every type of caricature of the bad boy uh, from that time, um, and yeah. I think it was great that they threw that out there and then allowed. Uh, The process of the two of them melding in some way uh and this experience to be able to he has a redemptive arc where he stops being what his other two friends are uh and she kind of moves which is great uh but one thing i really enjoy jay that you mentioned there is that uh you talked about like being drawn to the character that's most like you and i think it's important and this is just obviously i don't want to get us off into things that are territory that we don't necessarily you know become unnecessary hot butted issues but um I think it's fantastic that the character that you, you find or you relate to most, you say this is the one I most like, uh, is someone who's a different ethnicity than you. Like, <laughs> and I think I think that's, a, that, that's an important thing to kind of look at because uh, so often we get this idea that that, that, that racial thing, it, it, and, and, and to some extent, obviously, to some great extent, that there's a, a camaraderie that we see there. But I do think it's important to understand that we're able to draw some type of corollary in a character where, yeah, I mean, I... Uh, the, the only reason I don't necessarily see myself as 11 is not because she's a female. It's because I'm not a psychic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, like, and I think, that's, I, think that's a, I think that's a neat and helpful thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I could see, I mean, I do, I do feel a lot like Lucas just because he's, like, he's, you know, like the loyal friend asking, like, real questions. But also, most of my childhood, I didn't, I was a very quiet kid. So from just the aspect that Eleven doesn't really have much to say, and she spends a lot of time observing, and no one really knows what's going on with her, like, that I was that kid. But I was just like, you know, busy thinking about Star Wars and flying or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't wasn't changing the world, I was just hoping for powers, but I just would sit there, you know?
2: It is interesting you, you bring that up, Sam, because the other character that I would probably have to associate myself with, of all of them, would probably be Barb yeah no um, the, thing, the
0: thing is so so bart like I said barb's death didn't do anything for me but as a character i yeah there was a high level of social awkwardity to me in this public school setting that totally makes sense
2: yeah and i was i was always the kid who i was a very uh uh rule abiding kid so it was kind of like oh you know some kid some one of my friends would say like oh let's jump over this fence and run through this thing that says no trespassing and i'd be the one going guys come on we don't want to do that like we're, we're gonna to want to break the law, or whatever. Like, like and that's very much yeah. a Barb thing to do, right? Like, that hey, you really shouldn't do this. We shouldn't be here. We sh- we should be doing something else.
1: So, yeah, Sam. Also, like, Barb's death didn't really have much of an effect on anyone else in the story either. So you're not alone. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> like, 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 even
0: when we finally get to the fact that she's dead, like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Nancy um, kind of just like, oh, like she <laughs> takes it hard, but it, it's just a yeah, footnote yeah, to uh, yeah, where's the kid. Yeah. Well, yep. even in the
1: final episode, like, Will's mom and, uh, who's it, uh, gosh, who's the other mom, uh, Nancy's mom, everybody's, like, crying at the end, and, like, where's Barb's mom? Where, what is she doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no one's, no one's doing a state or citywide search for her, but, you know, hey.
2: Yep. No, she, she is, she is the forgotten one. We need, we need a, uh, and actually, Jimmy Fallon, did you guys watch the, I don't know, was it the Golden Globes that, that Jimmy Fallon did?
1: yeah, yeah uh, i didn't that.
2: see it yeah. yeah well in his in his opening number he did like a uh what do you call it he did like a tribute to um la la land and did like this mm-hmm. big opening number where everyone's dancing around and stuff like that and he yeah. actually did this whole like segment about how barb was really uh given the short end of the stick so to speak that's yeah. awesome so, yeah yeah it was pretty funny Um, All right, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, fast-forward here. Let's go to the last question that we have in the document, um, and that is this final episode. So I'd love to get your thoughts on, one, the final episode, but also how that leads us into Season 2. So where do you think this story is headed, and what do you hope to see in Season 2?
0: I thought the resolution was great. You know, I I didn't realize it was only 10 episodes. Uh, And so I was... yeah or eight or whatever it was so i was expecting it to continue um and then when the resolution came as quickly as it did i was like oh oh okay i I wasn't quite prepared for it um i do think it was interesting you know because the way the way the, the the fight came out and what happened like it it leaves up with some really interesting questions first obviously where is 11 like i love that hopper uh is leaving things out for 11 uh as in maybe perhaps Eleven's use of power teleported her and the Demogorgon to some other uh, locale in some way. Like, I think that um, was an interesting idea. I think it was a great resolution. I do like that the three teenagers, and let's be serious, there's something about the trope of teenagers banding together to beat up a bad guy or beat up a monster. Like, we've Mm -hmm. loved it since Scooby-Doo. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like, it, it very much, and I think they executed that trope really well. Uh, with the fact that the two had a plan, the plan was going to fail, and the guy has his redemption moment, um, and they functionally they actually push the Demogorgon back, like they have a, they have this victory moment. Um, I do like the moment where it looks like uh, the kids with their slingshot took out the Demogorgon, like that was a great move. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I'm most interested in, obviously, is that it's very much like you know uh, you know Nietzsche's statement uh, when you look in when you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back into you. Like, and so as I'm thinking through that last scene where he, he coughs up the slug and then all of a sudden he sees that other time, uh, is it that when you spend a certain amount of time in that Upside Down, all of a sudden you embody the Upside Down in some way? Hmm. Uh, so has uh, you know, Will in some way kind of become an embodiment, uh, an incarnation, or a carrier— depend on if you want to use uh, Passion of the Christ language or Outbreak language. Uh you know which movie <laughs> yeah. you want to do. Has he become something like that that is now kind of infusing that the other the the thing into this uh, uh into our realm because when we see the you know season 2 we know it's going to take place uh, a year after the events of season 1. Um mm-hmm. and we do see at least there's one little scene in one of the previews where the guy can seem to be looking out the window and sees uh something from their side that kind of is crossing over. I'm just wondering if now this upside down, if possibly what we're seeing is that enough of those openings between our side of the, the upside down have opened to where there's going to be some type of merging or crossing over uh, that we have to deal with. I, I kind of think that's where it's going. Um, because what I like is at the end of the... At, like, at the end, you guys can, can, can pick up on this afterwards. We can discuss it. Like, it feels like there's a resolution. At the end of the episode, but at the same time, when you think about it, like nothing was resolved. <laughs> like they they did a good job giving a feeling of closure, but we don't think the get, like we don't know if the Demogorgon is dead. Uh, we don't know what happened to Eleven. The upside down still exists. Barb is still dead. The kid still is coughing up uh, slugs. Mm. Like everyone's reunited, but it's not necessarily. The problem isn't fixed in fact it seems that the problem is just now like the whole first season was almost introducing the problem in some way
2: it's very true
1: yeah yeah no i I agree with all of that um as far as the final episode for me like i you know a lot of this the characters have their sort of either redemptive moments or like you know like the I guess end of their arc at least for the first season. Um, I like that Steve doesn't die. I mean, in every other yeah. thing he would have died. You know, <laughs> he would have been wrong place, wrong time, and he'd be dead. But he's actually the one that, instead of you know the like cliche that he kind of was, he actually is helpful in that circumstance, and he's able to kind of put himself aside. I thought that was really great. Um, what was the other one? Yeah, and then obviously Hopper, you know, like he gets his redemptive moment bringing Will back. And then also Joyce, who, like I said, was grating on me. Now that she knows she's not crazy and that all these people believe her and she gets her sons back, she finally gets to just talk. And that was just, just a welcome <laughs> welcome thing after watching her, you know, freak out most of the season. Um, uh, I'm in the camp of that, the Demogorgon and Elle are probably the same um yeah. person uh just I, I like her you know when she says no more to the thing and then she's reaching out with one hand and it's reaching out with the opposite hand it, it's kind of seems like it's like mirroring her there um and there's it seems like there's hints throughout the season that there's something i mean obviously there's a lot that she's not saying but it, it seems like she knows so much more about that and about the upside down and it almost seems like there's moments of her feeling guilt for what it does because it maybe is some sort of reflection of her in the in the upside down I don't know but that's kind of where it has me headed um, and then with Will um, choking up like the slugs there at the end he when he you know he goes in there he coughs and then he comes back to the table and she says are you alright and he's like yeah I'm fine that seemed like he had an act you know kinda of going on when he comes back to the table so I'm just this last time watching it, I thought, is that even really will still or is he you know like all that time he was there with the you know, thing and, and incubating or whatever is that is it really still him? could he just look like will but maybe yeah. not be will? I't I, you know I don't know but there's some reason that he doesn't bring up what he knows is actually going on. Um, so there's that. Um, and then as far as like the season two kind of stuff, um, one, I just like that we get the kids in Ghostbusters costumes. That's yeah. really cool, you know, like, because 84, that's when that movie came out. That's awesome. Um, also, uh, you mentioned, Sam, the, um, like, seeing the, uh, it's almost like World, of the World War of the Worlds or something like that. Yeah. The thing that you see in the background there, I think it's, it's probably going to have a lot to, the season two probably going to have a lot to do with now that, like you said, all those portals are open. The sort of underworld or, or upside down, it, it, you know, breaking into the, you know, I like guess real world more often. And it seems like uh, maybe even the Ghostbusters thing is kind of like, well, they're going to all have to hunt down, you know, not ghosts, but, you know, like creatures of some kind. That would be cool. Um,
2: so I'll start by saying I think you guys have nailed all of the major questions. Um, I'm I'm very nervous about season 2. And <laughs> I'm I'm nervous about season 2 because I think it's easy to do smaller stories. You can get all the character arcs in that you need to get. Um, you can take a character through an arc. Um, season 2s or sequels are very difficult because you either have to take a different set of characters through their arcs or your characters who have already gone through arcs sort of need to go through the next iteration of their arc. But that's very difficult to do because then the characters can seem very different to us. So actually, Sam, you brought up um, Lost a couple times and in Lost, I mean, some of the, most of the characters are complete reverses. Either they're resistant to change and they sort of like continue to face hardship um, with the same character flaws or they go through two very distinct arcs throughout the course of that entire show. So they'll go through like a, you know, whether you have the, the Jack, like, I'm super responsible and I'm trying to take care of everybody to then the he's super irresponsible and he's not taking care of anybody. Um, yeah. And so I think it's, it's very difficult to do. And, and I think actually I'm pointing out Lost in their character arcs as a, as a positive. That, I think they did a good job of that. But a lot of shows, they just resort back to, okay, let's just take it to plot. Let's take it directly to plot. And that's what's really dangerous, because what they usually try and do is make the plot more complex. And in doing so, they introduce all of this complexity that's very difficult to resolve, and it doesn't feel good when it's resolved, because it doesn't feel real, and none of the characters went through arcs. (laughs) So, I've got to say that I'm pretty nervous about them, because I feel like they're going to add complexity that they don't need. This was so great because it was a small story. Let's not try and make it twice the size, right? Um, I do, however, hope... Ever since I started researching the side of it with the Dungeons & Dragons connection to the other kind of dimension, I hope that that's where they go with it. I would love to see... I mean, the only other movie that I've seen that basically said, like, you know, we're going to connect Dungeons & Dragons or that type of thing directly... That kind of thinking and dimension into the into our world and have them butt up against one another, not in a cheesy way, but like in a in an interesting way. Well, this was still cheesy, but it was yeah. like this, this movie back in the day. It was an '80s movie that starred Tom Hanks. Do you guys remember this? Uh,
0: Which you... Tom Hanks? Yeah, I, I
2: I'm gonna have to look it up on IMDb. If anybody out there knows what it is, you have to send us a message. But um, it was a movie about Tom Hanks playing Dungeons and Dragons and losing touch with the real world to the point where he actually became so engrossed in Dungeons and Dragons that he just played that in the real world, and that's all it was. Like that's how the that's how the movie ended. Spoiler: Mazes
0: alert. and Monsters.
2: There it is, Mazes and Monsters. Um, I knew that. I from would my love brain. to see. What's that?
0: I knew that from my brain. Did you really? <laughs> Not a chance in the world. Never heard of it until this <laughs> very moment. Yeah. And yeah, it's not was, even a good it movie. <laughs> it's not even
2: a good movie. It's not even worth watching. It was se. made for TV. Yeah, exactly. But I've never seen someone taking like a Dungeons and Dragons or a world that we grew up with and saying like, "Why don't we say that that's actually just true?" Um, it's almost like Jumanji, too, right? Like, what if yeah. the what if the game the game world starts influencing the real world? Um, I think that that's like a cool thing. I would love to see that happen. I hope that they bring spirituality. I hope that butts up against our spirituality and our and our known spirituality, and that there's like tension there. That'd be fantastic. Um, trying to think of a couple other points that you guys brought up. I Isaac, your, your point about Eleven and the Demogorgon being the same, we definitely need answers to that, because they are connected in some way, shape, or form. Also, I think it's a really interesting thing that Hopper is now working with the government, because he was so anti-government for a while there. Right. So I'm really curious to explore that some more. Um, what else? What else do you guys think um, in terms of season two?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's just so many ways that it it can uh, things can go uh, and relate. You know, it's going to be interesting, however it works. Having the four boys together, unless they do, you know. And I hope what they do is that they keep the four boys together. Like I hope they don't end up falling into the hangover trap where that oh, yeah, like, yeah, they yeah, always yeah. end up having to get rid of the one. Like, I hope right. we get a story here. Kind of like, I mean, so again, to look at another show, like, ultimately, I'm on the side that thinks that the, the ending to How I Met Your Mother was an epic failure. Um, <laughs> Who's you know, not on that side? I yeah, want to meet right? that person. <laughs> like, I, like, I very much, like, I know, like, one or two people that are trying to argue that it wasn't, uh, and I call them wrong, uh, you know. <laughs> but so I'm very much on that side. But, like, at the end when they're doing the credits, they include uh, Tracy, they include the mom, as though she's been a main character for the entire time, where she's been completely separate. You know, it's Mm. like, so here you have the four boys, but truthfully, we don't know, we know about as much as of Will uh, as we knew about Hawkeye at the end of the first Avengers, Mm. right? Because he spent his (laughs) entire time mind wiped. Right. You know, it's like, so it's hopefully, I'm hoping that they allow us to see all four of the boys together. Interacting in that friendship completely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to point out that you uh have mentioned um pantheism and the hangover uh what did you say the the, the hangover um trap trope in the yeah. same in trope in the same podcast. And that is amazing. Yeah, you get that's, extra thousands that's worth what, of points. That's
0: what you get when you invite a geek getting his PhD in philosophy. <laughs> uh, on, on your show, man. <laughs> that
2: is amazing. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. It's perfect.
1: Yeah. I wonder with like the boys like wanting to see the four of them together. It's like I mean, obviously there's a lot of like sort of like alien sort of references. You even see like those things that look like the eggs, you know. Mm. Um, you know, like in in the original Alien, it's like they get the guy back after he's been gone, but then it you no, know, it seems like everything's happy, but then something goes wrong. That's kind of why I feel like there's something up with Will and like, maybe it has, maybe it's going to be sort of revolving around like, is our friend really back and that kind of thing. So that's kind of why I thought like, well, maybe he's, maybe he's not really Will, maybe he just looks like Will. I mean, that doesn't seem like it would be necessarily out of the question, but um, I also, um, I don't necessarily know that I'm going into this season two with like fear, uh, like you said, Jay, but it is, it does seem like the idea could be to just go sort of, bigger and more complex rather than character driven and so it's like well yeah I hope it stays with the characters because that's the stuff that I really watch almost any show for is the characters more so than than the plot so um, but it does seem like you know like there's like that shot of him looking out the door and like we said the big war of the worlds kind of thing it seems like well they're they're gonna go a bit bigger at least
2: I think what you some of what you said is really important because clearly they're playing to um, homage they're playing to nostalgia with this show they're mm. mashing up a bunch of different genres that um, we all we all really liked um, or at least you know we liked several of them um, mm. when we were younger I think was this, at this point too the other danger that they're faced with and this is kind of the same thing like I'm very forgiving of The Force Awakens when they you know a lot of people say like oh man it was just a straight port of A New Hope yeah. um, I'm pretty forgiving of it because I, I go, you know what, they kind of needed to do that. They had so many characters. All yeah. the characters had to go through arcs. Um, we needed to see something that was familiar that we loved. And so I appreciated yeah. it. I saw it as an homage, not as a copy.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but obviously, as they move on to episode eight, they they need to reinvent. They need to come up with something new. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that like the season two of... Stranger Things doesn't just try to bring in a whole bunch of new elements like you've mentioned War of the Worlds a couple times which is like a really good mention and I hope they're not just going like oh okay well now we're going to bring in some of the sci-fi homage that we found in the 80s and it's like oh let's not do that like come up with your own original thing and then stick with that you can still throw you can do throwbacks and you can pay homage in other respects but I think you need to be a little bit more original going forward as well
1: yeah I agree. Well, I especially agree on the Star Wars thing, too. Not that this is about Star Wars, but it's like, well, they kind of had to write the ship there. So, yes. You know, hopefully, you know, hopefully the the if this if the next one is the same thing, then yeah, then like all of the criticism of Force Awakens is just, justified. So, in a similar way, if Stranger Things season 2 doesn't have originality now that all the stuff is set up, then it is going to be just a show that's kind of ripping off. Not ripping off, I guess it's probably too strong a word, but it is going to be a show that's just borrowing a lot of things to sort of, like, give you the nostalgic feelings to where you're going to like it, more so than give you, like, a story, you know? Uh, you know, just kind of the last thing that, that uh, Isaac mentioned there, I
0: think is important is that one thing I think Stranger Things did really well is that um, it was nostalgic, but it wasn't nostalgic for nostalgic sake. Like, nostal- nostalgia is an incredibly powerful um affection that yeah. is able to move and pull things and some things and here's the thing i don't i'm not necessarily saying things being nostalgic for nostalgia's sake is necessarily bad like i think um, part uh, part of the success of any christmas movie is if they're able to channel some type of nostalgia truthfully the reason we love christmas as much as we do is because we're addicted to nostalgia um yeah you know uh, very much so um, you know, and like the reason that the Wonder Years was as successful as it was was because it was just pure nostalgia getting laid on thick every single week. Right. Um, heck, and I watch it, and it's a show that I was young when it was out, and it's nostalgic for a time I didn't live in, and I yeah. get nostalgic for that time that I didn't live in. Right? <laughs> yeah. it's, like it's like when I when I it's hear like bag- Mad Men or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, or when I hear bagpipes, I get nostalgic for the homeland of, of Scotland and Ireland, where. I'm born and raised in California, right? (laughs) Right, right. So so what I like about uh, Stranger Things is it uses uses 1983 as the backdrop for its story. But its 1983-ness, as it were, is just kind of like the backdrop or the parameters in which the story has to take place. It doesn't milk that time period, which is partly maybe why I was having such a hard time with that 80s question. Like, it doesn't milk that time period to try and create a nostalgic feel for nostalgia so it doesn't come off as schmaltzy, right? So, like, right now, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Netflix things. Like, the campiest, cheesiest, lamest thing I've watched and loved this past year was both seasons of Fuller House, right? (laughs) Like, and those... It's not good, right? Like, if I didn't like Full House, I would hate Fuller House. Uh, But it is just pouring into my 11 year old soul right (laughs) like as it's going you know it's reminding me of coming home from skate nights as a kid growing up on tuesday night coming home and watching it like so it's doing that but it's a schmaltzy sacred thing i think that one of the things that's really a bit to the art of how stranger things was done is that it it could very easily lie on that and lean on it and it doesn't uh, instead it it stands on storytelling and character development and it just so happens to be set in a time period in which the people who grew up there now are in the middle of life and looking back missing the time they grew up in so it was a very low hanging fruit that they decided not to use and I was pleased by that
2: yeah absolutely I think that's, that's 100% true and I and I really hope that that stays true for, for the second season as well um and I guess we'll we'll be able to see probably next year at some point.
1: Uh, it's October Halloween. October
2: right? of this year. October. Perfect. This year.
1: Perfect. On Halloween, that has something to do with the Ghostbuster thing, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, probably so. I am still I still hope that they'll release a third season of Daredevil soon. I don't, I don't know when that's supposed to come out. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, third season of Daredevil, I think might be next year because this year we're getting Iron Fist and the Defenders.
2: Ah, that's right. There so I go. think
0: next year we get Daredevil three and Punisher one.
2: Sweet. Ah, that should be good. That's next year's going to be real good then.
0: Yeah, and, <laughs> and Luke and Luke Cage two is coming up as well. So I don't know. There's Marvel. I mean, this is not a Marvel one. Uh, if it was, I we would be going much longer. But Marvel <laughs> is Marvel is pretty much turning out the hits when it comes to Netflix. So it's doing really well.
2: Absolutely. Nice. well guys thank you for joining me this has been super fun and I really appreciated both of your perspectives always great to talk to you um, yeah likewise any other things you want to plug before we before we say goodnight
0: no not that I can think of man thanks for having me on it was a blast
2: absolutely well, I'm going to have both of you on again so just stay tuned for the next episode
1: yeah likewise I enjoyed uh, talking to this show and can't wait for season two That is it
2: for today's podcast. Special thanks to Isaac and Sam for joining me today. What do you think? Let us know, write us an email at reclamationsociety at gmail.com. That email address is in the show notes if you prefer to cut and paste. Or check out our community on mz.com which is a new friendlier Reddit where we host our discussion board. You can post directly into that group to share your thoughts. The link is in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and when you do write us an iTunes review. Make sure you're eligible to win comics from the Reclamation Society by submitting that iTunes review and liking our Facebook page. One thing of note, if you do an iTunes review, make sure that we can identify you by your name. If you don't want to leave a name by which we can identify you, when you like the Facebook group, just shoot us a quick message and let us know what your iTunes review handle was. That way you can qualify for the comics. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. So make sure you follow us and give us some feedback on what sci-fi, fantasy, or comic book story we should review and discuss next. And don't forget about that YouTube channel. Check out our YouTube channel if you get a chance. That's it for today's show. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.